Today is a great day because we are going to be talking about the book of Joshua and some other things. We're going to be getting into numbers and Exodus and Moses and rocks and water and shoes and and a lot of interesting things that seem like they might not have anything to do with Scripture, (laughs) but we find that Scripture has a way of showing us how strange things are all tied together. Mm-hmm. I'm Kyle McCaskill. I'm Marie Burns. I'm Becky Clark. And you're listening to a podcast that has yet to be named. <laughs> so we're bad but, at naming things. That's right. So, but the intent of us here is we're going to go deeper into Scripture and show you the process by which we, and by we, I really mean Marie and Becky, uh, they present Bible studies that we do, book studies, not pulled off a shelf, created for you, by us, them, and here we go. So we should explain then. We should what explain exactly what we're doing is transpiring here. here. Yes. So this is, uh, as we were kind of talking about earlier, this is kind of an organic thing that has has happened mm-hmm. since Marie and I started teaching studies together. Right. Uh, we get to points where we're working on something, mm-hmm. and then we we gotta talk it out. <laughs> because yeah. somebody in a commentary says something that throws us for a loop, mm-hmm. or we just read something in scripture and it just really gets us or confuses us or even excites us mm-hmm. because sometimes we make connections right. between yeah. certain things. Right. And um, we've had some of the best conversations as we've prepped for mm-hmm. Bible studies. And really, so pe- what people have said and what I feel like we have said is, um, this is a beautiful way for people to see the process right? and to kind of dig a little deeper into um, how we get to a point of what we present in a study, right. because what we present is only a small portion of the amount of conversation and work, work. Yeah. that we have kind of put into it. Right. And for me, I, I would love, I want people to see that, um, it's not, you know, scripture is, is hard sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's really important for us to ask questions right? and to, to enter into conversation with other people so they can challenge us and help us right. to learn. Because Kyle sometimes brings in some of the best questions. I'm a question that, guy. I mean, just some, really some of the best questions, but you're super knowledgeable, knowledgeable about certain things that I would have not thought about. Mm -hmm. And you see things from a different perspective, just like Marie does. And so when we sit down to talk about scripture together, every one of our perspectives kind of brings a new way to look at that scripture Mm -hmm. or what you remember about reading something in the Bible and what you remember, what Mm -hmm. I remember kind of brings the picture Mm -hmm. in more focus. Right. You know, when when we pick commentaries, sometimes you don't... I mean, sometimes I know or gotten to the point where there are certain commentaries that I know are good, yeah. you know, like certain series of commentaries. Um, but sometimes we read some that are way out. But that's not always a bad thing because right. they'll present something that causes you to really have to chew on. Yeah. Um, but it just goes to show that there are really a ton of resources that 
you can mm-hmm. utilize to be able to study scripture as long as you're willing to want to dig deeper. You, know? you got to re- you got to read more than one. Yeah. You got to look for consistency between them. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing mm-hmm. that I look for is consistency between authors. And when I find one, like that one I found in Hebrews, that just every single thing stood in stark contrast to three or four others, as in my degrees lie elsewhere outside of biblical theology. So I look for consistency. And not that, I mean, just because everybody agrees on something doesn't make it right. Mm-hmm. So when, when right. one author stands in stark contrast to everything else, mm-hmm. that's when I have to start relying on discernment of the Holy Spirit. What? feels right because maybe maybe this author picked up on something everybody else has missed or maybe they're way off base and this is not Mm -hmm. a healthy perspective so that's as an non definitely non-bible scholar i look for consistency Mm -hmm. and if and if i find somebody who's way off base or way different that's when you start relying on that discernment to i tend to uh (laughs) not put as much weight on the outliers Right. You know, because in my experience, they're the ones that, I I don't know, maybe they've got something else behind what they're saying and and they're trying to make something, something. Mm -hmm. they're trying to turn scripture into something that it isn't because they've got a certain personal agenda necessarily, maybe not malicious, but. Well, and that's also why us sitting together is also really important right? because then I can sit with a group of people and kind of chew on, mm-hmm. okay, I'm just lost now. I've mm-hmm. read a few different perspectives, right. and um, y'all help me discern this out. Right. Um, so, so we're in Joshua 1 this week. Yeah, we're, well, we're, yes, we're in Joshua 1, but I will say to be in Joshua 1, we really have to go back to some other things before we can really be in Joshua 1. And um, knowing that we were going to kind of sit down, I I really have a question for you guys that I want to chew through a little bit. And that's, that is the fact that Moses doesn't get to enter the promised land. Okay. And the situation that happens that causes that decision from from the lord because mm-hmm. i'm i don't know that's that's a hard one for me to think about the fact that moses had done so much and he lived with them for so the people for so long mm-hmm. had been through all of this grumbling and frustration right. with them i mean it was like every other day mm-hmm. the people of god were complaining and i mean what was it like t- 2 days after they're they're rescued from Egypt. They're already mad, yeah. and wanting to go back. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you can relate as a parent. You can relate to Moses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One day right. after the hurricane, you're just like, ooh, mm-hmm. yeah. Can I go back to school yet? And what the situation that happens seems to me that it's towards the end of their forty years in the wandering. Mm-hmm. If I read things correctly, and so yeah. he's made it. Through all of these years with the Israelites and all of their grumbling and right. continuously going back to uh, the Lord and being like, what do I do? What, mm-hmm. what, mm-hmm. <laughs> how do I deal with these crazy people um, who I just want to whack upside the head? And, um, and then this thing happens and the Lord says, 
you will not get to enter the promised land that they're like on the cusp of being able to go into. Okay. Point me right okay, to where so that is. The scripture is from Deuteronomy 31. That's 31. where the big, the big story happens. So oh, yeah. Deuteronomy rolls straight into Joshua. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. And so that's, that's actually, cause that's a really great lead in then. So, um, and this is where Joshua becomes like the officially named successor right. of Moses because he had mm-hmm. been, um, and we'll talk about this in the actual Bible study. We'll mm-hmm. outline a little bit of like the history of Joshua, but he'd been Moses's assistant for a while. And it seems that he had been prepared as mm-hmm. a military leader. That was kind of his role. In fact, the first time we really see him, that's what he's doing. He's leading an army, yeah. but he becomes the official successor to lead the people into the land at this point. So um, I think it's, I think it's Joshua 31. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Deuteronomy, yes, Deuteronomy 31. 31. Yeah. Chapter so 23 is when Joshua was commissioned or verse 23 is when Joshua was commissioned. Yeah. So, um, or maybe that's not it. Wait, wait, but, um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to take you. See, here we are. I was wrong. That's Josh. Uh, Deuteronomy 31 is where Joshua is named the official successor. Right. Numbers 20. Numbers. Is, 20. Numbers 20 is okay. the story. Now, this is a whole other thing about the Bible. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Exodus all have like so many of the same stories. Oh, and they're all the same one, things. Kind of one big story, though. Right. Yeah, they're one big story that reflect upon each other mm-hmm. sometimes. It's like a re-mentioning. And so yeah. they can be so confusing uh, at times. So... Numbers uh, 20. Numbers 20. Okay, so it's the story of the waters of Meribah. Mm-hmm. So I'll kind yeah. of t- give you a brief overview, um, mm-hmm. and you can read it while you're listening to me. Basically what happens is the Israelites are mad about something. Um, Imagine <laughs> which is, that. Which is not unusual. <laughs> and so they do what they do all the time. They go to Moses, and they're like, hey, we're, we're unhappy, and we're hungry, and we're not in the land, this, this great line of, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to bring us to this wretched place? It's no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. And there's, this is a, just so you know, this is a NRSV version, okay. just so. I don't know if you have something different. So... Moses and Aaron do what they typically do. They go to the tabernacle mm-hmm. and they plead for, for Yahweh, like, what do we do? I don't, I don't know what mm-hmm. to do with these ungrateful people. So the Lord says to them, take the staff, which is the same staff that like Moses has been carrying, that's been mm-hmm. turned into a snake and all kinds of other mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, take the staff and assemble the congregation and you and your brother Aaron. So assemble everybody and you and him as the leaders and command the rock before their eyes to yield its water. And thus you shall bring water out of the rock for them and you'll provide drink for the congregation and for their livestock. Okay. Simple enough. Right. So what Moses does is he does the first things. He takes the staff. Mm-hmm. He gets the people and he and Aaron together. And then he says to them, listen, you rebels, shall you bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff and water came out abundantly and the congregation had their livestock drink. Okay. 
But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me to show my holiness before the eyes of the Israelites, therefore you now, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. Mm-hmm. It's not just Moses, it's Aaron. Yeah, I don't know that I'd ever noticed that before, that Aaron, Aaron mm-hmm. doesn't get to go in either. It's yeah. both of them. Well, Aaron dies wow. in yeah. the next little bit. Yeah. He, here in Numbers. But it's true. Mm-hmm. So he, he yeah. says uh, both of them, you don't get to mm-hmm. go until, I guess I didn't even notice that when I was struggling but, with all the other stuff. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> okay, so is what he did really that bad that he doesn't get to go into the, I mean, he, he has put up with these crazy folk. Mm-hmm. I know. For 40 years. Well, even right. longer than that because they're in the wilderness before they get told they can't go to the promised land yet. Right. So it's like 41 years or something. So something that was just said yesterday, if we remember. No, yesterday. Tuesday. About words. Remember? Mm-hmm. Doug said mm-hmm. that words create worlds. Yeah. And God said here that... It, it it was a commandment. Mm-hmm. So God was telling Moses to speak the water out of the mm-hmm. rocks. Command the rock before its eyes to yeah. its water. But mm-hmm. instead, Moses struck the rock as if he's trying to strike or beat the rock into submission. I don't know. Yeah. Like, like what God told him to do, it wasn't going to be good enough. Right. So Moses is doing something that we do a lot. He's taking what God tells us to do and saying, well, you're probably right, but just to make sure, I'm going to do what I think I have to do. Yeah. So it's that moment of where you you don't actually trust God to do what he says he's going to do. So you Mm -hmm. you feel like you have to take actions into your own hands. Right. And... God's like, I told you I would do it. Yes. Yeah. How did you not believe me that I would do it? Why did you think you had to strike the rock? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I see this, we, That's... we bring you water out of this rock. And one of God's big things is mm-hmm. all along, I want to make sure they know it was me who did this. Yeah. That was one of his big, and I can't think of any examples off the top of my head as we move through, you know, Exile and everything, or not exile, but the exodus mm-hmm. is so that they know it's me and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And they say, we bring you water out of this rock. Like he and Aaron did it. Yeah. And that's the first thing I noticed was, was oh, that we. Oh, that's great. Yeah, because it's God that's bringing the water. Right. But we, Moses and Aaron, and now instead of speaking the mm-hmm. water out, we're going to hit it with the staff, as you point out. And look what I made. Which, and as another, <laughs> yeah, I know where you are. As another point of it, I, it doesn't seem in here that God tells Moses to actually say any words to the people. I mean, no. calls them rebels, yeah. and then and then says we're going to do this thing, and right. then strikes. And so there's this really interesting. I, I'm sure Moses got mad. In fact, I, I know there's places mm-hmm. in Scripture in his time where he went to the tabernacle and basically laid himself prostrate and was like, I'm so tired of these stupid people. You know? <laughs> like, I think that's what it says in scripture. Uh-huh. I'm tired of these stupid people. Uh, <laughs> and then he gets up, but, and gets up and does what, what God tells him to do. Mm-hmm. But at this point, he speaks his own anger to the people. Yeah. Calls them names mm-hmm. to yeah. their faces and then declares what he's going to do, and then in anger strikes the rock. Yeah. 
And I get all those things, but I'm still struggling with like, but was that all really so bad that he didn't get to go that took away the promised land from Mm -hmm. him to be able to enter in and see and be a part of that fulfilled promise. You know what I'm saying? That's hard. Maybe, maybe that's a piece of it. Mm -hmm. And maybe it was God in his bigger scope of the picture a bigger view of the picture than what we can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe it's God saying, I know that if Moses, if you go in with Joshua, mm-hmm. Joshua is going to be appointed the one to follow you. If you're still around, mm-hmm. there's going to be a power struggle. There's mm-hmm. going to be people that, you know, maybe don't want to follow Joshua because you're still around. Mm-hmm. But Joshua is the one that I've chosen to be the leader Mm-hmm. And Joshua's going to be the one. He has to be the one. Yeah. Maybe that's a part of it. I mean, yeah, I think this probably is, you know, Moses directly disobeyed yeah. what God said to do. Yeah. Well, because he says, Scripture says, you didn't trust in me to show my holiness. Yeah. You trusted, just like Marie said, mm-hmm. you trusted in you and Aaron. Yeah. But what's also interesting is a part of that is that. God still does it, though. Yeah. He still brings the water. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't punish the people for their disobedience. Right. Which is impressive because there are times when... Well, that's what happened with... <laughs> that's why they wandered in the, the wilderness for 40 years, because mm-hmm. they sent out spies, and all but two came back and mm-hmm. said, we just can't take the land. Yeah. We don't. And so because of their mm-hmm. unfaithfulness, mm-hmm. which I think... Then bled into the people's unfaithfulness, right. but because of their initial unfaithfulness and in God's promise and protection and all that, mm-hmm. the people had to wander for for forty years. Wasn't Joshua one of the ones that came back and was like, "Hey, we can do it, guys"? Yes, him Joshua and Caleb. and Caleb. That's what I thought. Joshua yep. and Caleb. Yeah, yeah. Which mm-hmm. I think is one of the reasons that Joshua becomes so significant. Yeah. That's I mean, he was faithful. He mm-hmm. was like, "Yeah, we can with Yahweh. We can do it." So we see Joshua's character really early, early on, in, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which totally makes sense of why he mm-hmm. becomes mm-hmm. the one to lead them mm-hmm. from that whole point, right. that whole beginning part of going in and spying out the land. Mm-hmm. He believed mm-hmm. that that Yahweh would do what Yahweh would do, right? You know, yeah. I look at I, I went ahead to the death of Moses, and he is still even after that incident spoken of so highly. And I think we all have this understanding. Moses is in heaven, you know, he's, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there is a, there's a grace here Mm -hmm. that we, we catch a glimpse of, you know, we don't really talk about grace in the old Testament, but it's there because that's who God is. And he's Mm -hmm. never changed. Right. Moses doesn't get to go into the promised land on earth. He went to the better promised land later. So while it would have been really cool to get to see what's here, Mm -hmm. he got to see we know from studying Hebrews that it is a, a car, it's a copy, and the mm-hmm. copy is never as good as the original. So the promised land is like this poor man's copy of the <laughs> true promised land. Yeah. And instead of going into that, he mm-hmm. got to go into something so much better. So even though he screwed up and got taken before he could go into the promised land, there's still grace there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He and God have this incredible relationship that no other human being has had with God save Jesus. 
to have seen God face to face or as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And he's, he would go to God and vent. And there's a story <laughs> where, I mean, God was kind of done with these people at one point and in a way vented to Moses. There was this oh, relationship yeah. there that yeah. no one else has gotten to experience. There was so there was still grace there. There was God still knew Moses's heart, and even though mm-hmm. you've done this thing, and I can't let you go in, I remember you. I know who you are. Mm-hmm. So there's still grace there. Well, and you know, to kind of go along with that, thinking about the fact that <clears throat> before Moses's death, he gets to stand up on the mount mm-hmm. and kind of look down on the promised land and see it. Mm-hmm. And we think, oh, what a beautiful thing, kind of last gift that God gives Moses. But as a part of that, Moses also doesn't have to deal with the continued grumbling and frustration of the people mm-hmm. as they take the land. And we're going to talk about that a lot when we dig into Joshua mm-hmm. yeah. of like, even on the front end, when they take Jericho, there's unfaithfulness <laughs> yeah. to mm-hmm. God's command of what the people should do in the first place that they take, yeah. <laughs> which causes all kinds of havoc. But Moses doesn't have to see any of that. He no. kind of like he did his part in the 40 something years of wandering right. and grumbling. Yes. And you know, I guess we think of like he doesn't get to go in the promised land as this travesty. But he was also kind of released from continuing to be a part of the unfaithful people, mm-hmm. you know. And the military side of things, he didn't have to deal with battle. I mean, Jericho yeah. was unique, but everything else was mm-hmm. battle. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to go in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I read in a commentary in talking about the difference between Moses and Joshua, and the the commentator was making a point that, you know, God raises up leaders for certain times mm. for their gifts and their right. their talents yep. and the needs of the people. And we should celebrate how God does that. And I think one of the beauties of like the United Methodist Church is that we do have this beautiful thing of um of itineracy, which can be mm-hmm. so frustrating yes. at times. But if you believe in the idea of what John Wesley created of itineracy, and if you look at um Moses and Joshua, God raises up a certain leader with a certain amount of gifts for a certain time for the people of God Mm -hmm. as they need. And Moses was this faithful man who continuously kind of, I think, had to fight his insecurities. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. But it's never spoken of in Scripture where he is this kind of military, really decisive kind of person. In fact, early on... Um, when he goes to his father-in-law and it's like, I don't know how to deal with the people. His father-in-law says, make yourself a council to help you make decisions and deal with the people. Mm -hmm. Joshua, on the other hand, grows to be this kind of decisive military leader for this very specific time that the people need. They need somebody who kind of knows some military strategy. They need somebody who is really decisive about how things are going to go. But the similarities between the two of them is their, their deep, faithfulness to God Mm -hmm. that has not changed how it kind of plays out in their personalities and, you know, giftings and stuff. That's a little different, but that deep, deep abiding kind of faithfulness and trust in God is the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But these leaders kind of 
rise up as they are needed. And it's what you said earlier. Mm -hmm. So Moses maybe didn't quite fit that space. And I don't think God was denying him because Mm -hmm. he wasn't the right leader. But I think things kind of fell into the place that they needed to. Well, I mean, you're talking about itinerancy here. And just think how many times, uh, even here at Trinity, that we've had to deal with the overshadowing of a former pastor personality in, in a current situation where there's this power struggle Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. even somebody who is maybe at this point now eight or nine hours away, but we still have people that are, you know, reaching out because the wonders of technology and this person is still accessible. I mean, what would the people have done if Moses was still accessible to them, to Joshua? Would they have gone and tried to undermine what Joshua was doing? Mm -hmm. And if we look at what we do in the modern church, I would say, yeah, we're not all that different from the Israelites. And they absolutely would have tried to undermine his authority and gone and said, Oh, you're the new guy is doing stuff, and I don't like it. Can you come in and fix it? And can you tell them how it's supposed to be? Yeah. I mean, is is that not what we do? Yeah. I mean, I know I've <laughs> I'm guilty of thinking and doing stuff yeah. like that, just sure. as much as anybody else. And probably Joshua got a lot of that. Moses would have done this, uh-huh. you know. And he's like, yeah. not Moses, not Moses, not Moses. You know? Joshua is not Moses. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, so because I'm prepping for mm-hmm. uh, chapter one for and the intro for next week, yeah. I had two other things I wanted to kind of briefly throw out for us to chat about because I'm I'm kind of intrigued by them. Okay, so I was I was doing some work on um, Joshua, the front end of Joshua chapter one, and uh, God says to Joshua, kind of pulls him aside after Moses's death and kind of he's officially named and he gives this kind of talk Mm -hmm. to joshua like i really see it as like this really deep like pep talk pat you on the back Mm -hmm. like and then (laughs) (laughs) shove you forward you know um but one of the things that he says that i think is really interesting is we were joking about this uh, like some weeks ago um when he says I'm giving you the land and every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon it, I have given to you. And then he talks about like um, kind of the boundary of the land. Mm -hmm. So I was reading in a commentary that um, the words that, that God uses right here, he uses intentionally because um, there used to, there was this, in this ancient times, there was this idea that you could trade, transfer land with your sandal. Right. So we made it. Marie and I made jokes about uh-huh. it. We tried to take Doug's office. Gave him our. <laughs> we tried to give him our shoes. Give him our shoes <laughs> to have Doug's office. Um, <laughs> we thought we could. We thought we could transfer. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, it didn't he has, work out. Did he has his own bathroom. So, um, okay. But so I did more research uh-huh. about it because I was really kind of like I. Okay, but because there's no, like, trading of sandals, okay? Because okay. God says, wherever you place your foot, wherever you walk to, mm-hmm. and there's a, a place later on, and we'll talk about this even more when we get to Jericho, when God directs the people to walk around 
the land. Ah. There's an even bigger idea of uh-huh. like, um, the idea was that you would walk around the land that you are going to possess. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the transferring. And then you would, I would give you my sandal. I'm going to walk around the land and I'm going to give you my sandal. And we okay. have, now we have transferred land. Okay. okay. That's not what happens no. in Joshua because they walk around the land and the, they don't give them anything <laughs> like they decimate them and right. we will talk in more depth about uh-huh. that i'm sure but i man i was struggling with this idea because uh, i found it very interesting what is really god trying to say okay so as i was doing some research one of the things that came up was in the book of ruth when boaz goes to the kinsman Redeemer, right. the initial kinsman yes. redeemer, Ruth's kinsman redeemer, which if you're not super familiar with the book of Ruth, mm-hmm. there's an idea of a kinsman redeemer that um, someone within the family line can basically adopt you in right. and you're, you become part of their family and the land that you has, have lost, the name you have lost, all that kind of stuff is, is um, returned to you. Mm-hmm. That's the most easy way of kind yeah. of saying it. It's yes. a very so, powerful. It's beautiful. And yeah. obviously there's this, it, it's mm-hmm. Jesus. And you really you know? like it. I do. I love it. And it's, I mean, it's imagery Jesus. is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So Boaz goes to, Boaz becomes a kinsman redeemer, but he wasn't the initial kinsman redeemer because he wasn't the closest there was someone else. in line. So he goes to that person. I can't remember that guy's name. Um, and says, you have first choice. You can take. Ruth mm-hmm. as your wife and become the kinsman redeemer and restore her family and ultimately restore Naomi as well. Yeah. And he says no. Right. So Boaz, so they exchange sandals. I forgot mm-hmm. this. Huh. They exchange sandals. Oh. Um, and, and basically make a land grant. And that's yeah. a normal kind of ancient thing as well. So the one, it, the, it's the transfer of yeah. um, the one who is taking, the one who is giving, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And so um, it happens to Ruth. Now, Joshua is before that. But it was a beautiful picture of the sandal mm-hmm. thing. Um, also, in reading ancient information, <clears throat> feet were... Um, Things about sandals and feet were significant in a lot of different cultures. Okay, and so you found it. Yeah, yeah. In chapter four. Uh huh. Isn't now in earlier times in Israel for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. See. <laughs> we even studied that book, and I don't remember it. <laughs> I don't remember that. How many times have we looked at Ruth? And I mean, and that's not happening in Joshua mm-hmm. because it's we're not nobody's taking their sandal off and giving it to the the um, the Canaanites and all that oh. kind of stuff, and then they just like peacefully leave. But but God is using some of that language that yes. I think they kind of already apparently already knew mm-hmm. or was mm-hmm. common within the ancient times anyway sandals and feet were really significant not just for the fact that you walked everywhere yeah. but it really was this thing of um, a sandal was a transfer of a lot of things mm-hmm. um, it was a transfer of land it was it was seen to be a transfer of possession okay. and really walking around land 
was a a visual of the possession of. So when God says to Joshua, every place that your feet tread mm-hmm. is going to state your possession of the land. Mm. Okay. Which ultimately is is God's possession, right. but you will be the you will be the the holders of my possession. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you are every place that your feet go you are stepping into the possession of the land. Ah, yeah. Uh-huh. It, now it becomes yours. And another, um, the word that is used for sandal, na, na al, I think is, I okay. don't know if that's actually how you say where, it. Where are you finding sandal? Okay, so if you look in um, Joshua chapter 1. Okay. In verse 3. Okay. Um, my, my, Version here because this is the ESV now says soul, uh-huh, so foot soul, treads. sandal, foot, kind of that okay. thing. Um, the one of the Hebrew uh, interpretations of that is naal, so n a a l. Are you going to pull it up? I'm trying to. Okay. One of the commentators suggests that the there's a word, another Hebrew word play, which is nahal, N-A-H-A-L, and that word means inheritance. Okay. Do you know, okay, that wouldn't surprise me. That doesn't sound so far-fetched to me after doing, I've been listening to the Bible Project mm-hmm. on Sabbath and rest and all the meanings there, and there, there was there's this trend with the number seven and the word Sabbath, and they talk all the time about the wordplay. And this word, it's a wordplay because, and then it's because a word is spelled with all the same letters or something like mm-hmm. that. And they just point it out over and over and over again. So there's a wordplay that we miss mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. English-speaking people that's happening there. So that would not surprise me at all mm-hmm. that that commentator picked up on that as a wordplay mm-hmm. that's very purposeful. Well, and the other cool idea for me is when God initially tells Abraham that I'm going to make your line great and I am mm-hmm. have this inheritance of this land for you. Mm-hmm. Now there's this idea of when you step in and take position, possession of the land, it's the inheritance. Right. So this beautiful connection back to the very beginning of when God gives Abraham the initial promise that is now in Joshua Mm. being fulfilled but the the author that i also read said but here we are in a in an already not yet situation Ooh. i know mm. i was so excited he okay. used it love me some already because god says to joshua in chapter one um that they will take possession of the land but let me find it so i can um in verse 2, in the land that I'm giving them, which we're going to talk about giving take when we actually do this study, to the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. So there's a fulfilling of the promise, but the not yet, because right now it's only the people of Israel. Yes. Yeah. Which I knew, but I had never really thought too much about. Mm-hmm. So as the people take the inheritance and the possession of the land, they're walking on it. They are taking possession for what will be the not yet, mm. which okay. is us. Yes. You know what I'm okay. saying? The, yeah. They took possession of the land for the inheritance for us as well, although mm-hmm. they didn't know it at the time. Fascinating. Even though God says for Israel, he's very specific of like mm-hmm. for Israel. Um, okay. So there's all these very interesting kind of plays right here and this little portion of 
walking and taking the land mm-hmm. and giving the land, which really we should use the word give instead of take, yeah, right. because God is in possession of the land and he right. gives it to the people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Instead of them taking, and we'll right. talk about that. I, yes. I'm assuming when we talk about kind of war. Yes, we, yes, it's God's to give; it's not yours to take. I found right. your I found your word play okay. here in the. I went to Ruth <clears throat> chapter four, found yeah. the word sandal. Yes. Yeah, not all uh-huh. is the word you're talking about. Yeah. And verse three here in chapter one of Joshua, where uh, I'm reading NASB okay. with the Strong's. And it says, every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I've given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. I have given, that mm-hmm. is the, probably your play on words there. It's yeah. got a similar root. It's the natan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. so there, I, I see how those two things are related. Yeah. Uh, at least linguistically. And when you're dealing with an oral language like Hebrew. Sure. Mm-hmm. If things are related linguistically, they're probably mm-hmm. related in in their meaning as well. Yes, that's kind of what I'm hearing. And <laughs> honestly, at some point, we should bring Doug in and talk about that mm-hmm. since he is uh, since Pastor Doug is so uh, well studied right. in those mm-hmm. languages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, but, that's the word such and such, and it means. Oh, da, 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 da. He just shoots it out. Like, <laughs> he does, does he? He's got the whole Hebrew, and, and he calls us nerds. There. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So um, that's really anyway, good. I thought it was really cool because mm-hmm. this idea of um, he God uses this ancient idea, but we we've come across it in other places within scripture later mm-hmm. on. I just never kind of caught. But there's a, this different play about they're not exchanging a sandal, but they are still symbolically and mm-hmm. and figuratively yeah. taking possession and when they walk around the city, which seems like such a crazy idea, why does God make them walk seven days around the city? Because he's... Well, seven. Well, right. So, right, right, right. But Let's we'll not go down that rabbit hole. How but, I, but this walking idea of placing your foot and taking possession, it yeah. wasn't just because he wanted them to like freak out the people in Jericho, no. you know? Yeah. <laughs> But, but how many times does God ask us to do something that seems so off the wall? Yeah. And yeah. how many times in Scripture does God ask the Israelites, okay, just do this thing and trust me? Yes. It's something that would seem to be completely powerless. Mm-hmm. Naaman, mm-hmm. go, just go dip watch. in, just yeah. go wash. It's fine. <laughs> and no, I want to do this great thing. You don't have to do a great thing. All you have to do is do what I have asked you to do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it will be great. Yeah. Because you've done what I asked you to do. Yeah. 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 Okay, so now I'm thinking about this whole walking and giving of land. Is that why Abraham goes all the way to Israel? Like, I mean, how far does he get into Israel? Because God sends him from Ur all the way around to the promised Mm -hmm. land, makes covenant with him. This is going to be a not yet going to be the the land of your people but mm-hmm. obviously Abraham never takes possession of the land nobody lives there as a foreigner yeah he does he lives there as a foreigner so is there I, something symbolic there or am I making too I might be making too much of it but now I'm thinking about mm-hmm. I don't know well the as a Abraham was a uh, what are they called um, because they moved their sheep he was, they had a nomadic a, life. Yeah, he had yes. a nomadic life. So 
to some degree, the idea is that every place that he put his feet was his possession for the time. Yes, I guess that's true. Mm -hmm. And then he moved back. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. at some point, he did possess the land. Mm -hmm. I guess that's true. To an extent. To an extent. But he didn't fully settle there. Right. It wasn't time for the Israelites to fully settle there because there weren't any Israelites yet. (laughs) 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 It was Abraham and Sarai Uh and kind of Lot. Kind of Lot. Kind of Lot. We shouldn't count him. He's a mess. Lot. So I guess he... He took possession of it when he was there and yeah. walked, if you think about the, mm-hmm. the feet. Just thinking about some major piece of history there that I have never picked up on before. Mm-hmm. Feet mm-hmm. and sandals. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. It is fascinating. And this is just a total side note. In, in uh, Middle Eastern custom, to take off your sandal and show your foot, we knew this, we found this out very clearly in India, mm-hmm. and to show your foot to someone else is extremely rude. And to extend your sandals to someone, you should keep your sandals. I guess mm-hmm. unless you're still doing a land grant. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's still something you do there. But probably not. feet and sandals are not, that's a bad sign. Mm-hmm. Well, within culture, I don't know if you guys remember, well, you maybe not. I watched The, I watched the Voice a few years ago. Uh, Jennifer Hudson would throw her shoes at good singers. And in the in certain certain areas and certain groups of people, throwing your shoe is actually a sign of like you did really good. Somewhere along the way, this idea of feet and shoes and whatever has mm-hmm. like been transformed in certain places. Yeah. But there's still significance to this idea of feet and shoes. How fascinating. That's just a total side note. It's one of the things I thought about as I was like going through this because you know you think about all kinds of stuff. Sure. Oh yeah. Reading. (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) she threw big shoes at them. Like she could have really hurt them, you know. But she would throw them and be like, "You just better sing." And I'm like, "Yeah, you're really good, but you're throwing your really big shoe at them." And I think Kelly Clarkson was like, "Why did you do that?" And then she started doing it. So Mm -hmm. anyway, it's just vastly different. From don't show your don't want your shoe <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless we're giving it to Doug so we can have the senior pastor's office uh, as a bathroom. <laughs> but there's these interesting things about even now, mm-hmm. yeah, shoes and feet and shoes and feet significance, and we see Who knew? so that's just a funny side note. Yeah. So okay, that's all I got. That's all so you like got? these are. I mean, we, honestly, we could sit here and talk for a lot longer about some other things that I've been digging through in chapter one, but. We can only we can we can do that next week. Do this for so long, That's people right. are going to stop listening. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. So I'm done. You're done. I'm done with the conversation here. You're done with the conversation. <laughs> I'm done with this conversation. I'm out of coffee. I'm out of coffee too. See, we're done with the conversation. Yeah. We're out of coffee. All right. Just a natural progression. Of things. Well, I guess that's all things for today. Me. We're signing off for this initial episode that's going to be kind of rough because I was in and out. It's all right. Let's do it again next week. Okay. Okay. All right. Sounds good.